Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, a QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser. Uh, there are four of us uh, talking about all things QPR this evening. First of all, back for his 12th, 13th appearance, Steve. Uh, Steve Sace. Good evening. Good evening. So 12, 13 appearances makes you somewhere around a Liam Kelly or a Lee Wallace, oh, I understand. Fantastic. Just what I spoke. So you're in good company. Um, also, for third... Yeah, this is my third appearance. Congratulations, you get the match ball. Uh, and a tankard, as they used to say on Bullseye. Uh, Joe Leonard. Hi, thank you for having me back. Does that make me more of a Jack Clark? Has he played three yet? Probably accurate. Yes, you're Jack Clark. And Finney, you are the all-time top appearance maker. I'm the second of all time, I believe, just because I think you're a a little bit more available than me, no, but not got, much. David, come on, let's call it as it is. I have no life, and I'm always here to to, to be counted upon to give my expert opinion on all things shade. I, I would never be sincere and tell you that you do have a life, so we'll go with that. I don't um, know. <laughs> although sometimes I do. So you're the all-time record appearance maker, So I'm oh, Okay, I'm like your Tony Ingham, then. You're Tony Ingham. Who's the second most? It's not Alan McDonald, is it? Who's got the second Alan's, most Alan must be. Alan must be up there. I know he's got the most international. Don't Tony know. Ingham. I would probably say the, the most is... is um, uh, oh God, is your man. In yeah, the, this, is good, this is good radio. In Gillard. Yes. Gillard yep. must be up there. Ian Gillard, which yeah. is the name of my computer... All our computers are named according to QPR players, and I have Ian Gillard. So have you go. got a Steve Moore one I can smash we up? We don't, we don't. Um, also, um, developments in podcast world. Our podcast this week is, we consistently have had complaints about sound and people sitting too far away from the microphone-itis. So we've got done put two things in place to solve that. First of all, we've got the worst offender, his own microphone. Have we not, Paul? I'm so there's no excuse anymore. You shall be talking I can, I'm really sorry. directly into the microphone. And we got a lovely donation uh, last week from someone who wishes to remain nameless, but it was our biggest ever donation ever. So thank you very much. And I think Harry, our engineer, is threatening to spend that money on a fifth mic. By the way, so, the person did good. that, I don't know who you are, and I'm amazed and baffled people can love this podcast so much to do that and thank you so much it means a hell of a lot very much so thank you all that remains before we actually talk about qpr stuff is to remind everyone you can listen to our old episodes on qprpod.co.uk keep in touch with us primarily on twitter at qpr pod and also on facebook okay right two games it's a thursday night which is a bit of a weird one because we're now into that territory of all tuesday nights saturday tuesday quite often couple of those this month. So, since the last podcast, Huddersfield defeat, Swansea draw. Who wants to start? Well, I can start because I was at Huddersfield. Yeah. That makes me any better than anyone else, by the way. I'm just lucky if I don't have a life. Well, I was first, go. first question is, what was that kit? Uh, yeah, it was a mashup, wasn't it? It was, it was bizarre. Uh, it was like a Sunday league. T- I don't know. The kit man would have to answer that. Teal, Terrible. I believe. It was teal and, a, and, and the blue, blue shorts. shorts. And it just looked like a pub team thrown together. I, I didn't really understand it. But 
you know, in some ways it'd be one of them games if you win 3-0, the kit wouldn't matter. But because we didn't do very well and we played a bit rubbish. Um, but you know what we're doing at away matches now? Because I went with Cindy and I went with Alan. Is we're having a right, almost childlike laugh before the game where you complete Arsenal in Manchester being a bit of a laugh doing you this. are oh I and um, you get, you're, getting all the, you're getting all the fun out of the way first because you just know the 90 minutes aren't going to be good and you're going to come home depressed and we weren't disappointed I mean I watched Warburton's comments afterwards and it's fine that he can say possession broken records and everything else but the first five minutes we could be 4-0 down they literally this system of trying to play like Barcelona where Clive's right where every football team looks at someone else who does it properly and then tries to be them is insane. It was. It wasn't working, and we still kept doing it. And I reckon Huddersfield were thinking, "My God, the confidence that must have given them to miss two open nets in the first three minutes was amazing." And we didn't get much better than that. We played decent enough towards the end of the first half, but the second half was just appalling. And um, we just waved the white flag, and you know, nice was, weather for it. It wasn't bad. I mean, you know, it was. Listen, it's it's, it's the trouble is it's the same old souls, isn't it? We see it away matches all the time. You know, this, Steve, you see the same exactly. people all same the time. Same old faces. And for a club that's got serious financial um, rope around their neck, we've got to start doing things away from home again. We started the season so well, and the way support was much better. And that's to win them the game because it's the same old, same old. And um, yeah, it, it, it was. There was a lot of the game that we could look at. Some of the turns that Eddie did was really good, um, but the. Full backs again. I mean, Hall and um, Wallace were just had a bit of a nightmare together, and it was just lack of concentration that killed us. Sadly, on, on Saturday. Yeah, I I didn't see too much of the the game. I'll be honest, but it was kind of a typical. Uh, what I heard was you know typ- a, t- a typical away performance, and yeah, we kind of rolled over in the in the second half. And it's just so disappointing when we've yeah we have had some really good away games and. Um, you know, much better than we have in previous seasons under different managers, and we've, you know, we do, we just go away and capitulate, and it's just really, really disappointing. The lone striker thing worries me. I don't know what you've, you guys think, but this this playing Hugo by himself, lone as in L O A N or L O N. Yeah, both. I thought you meant yeah. The, the lone rule and the lone striker rule <laughs> that we're doing is that it's he's not in form. He's not doing much damage to the opposition and it, to me it's releasing so many players on the opposition side because we've got one striker and we're not really yeah, occupying so, them. so in a way a striker we've talked about a goalkeeper that's out of form recently and I think what you do with a goalkeeper that's out of form and what you do with a striker that's out of form mm. are complete opposite to each other okay. I think with a goalkeeper that's out of form you take them out of the team don't you? because mm-hmm. it's only going to ruin their confidence even more I think with a striker out of form if you can afford to, you keep them in as long as possible well, wait, because wait. their luck is going to change and they operate on confidence. And once it changes, then it's kind of a happy day. He can play as badly as he wants. No one's going to replace him. Well, that's it. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is it, we, I mean, isn't Hobson's choice? We're stuck with him because uh, there's no... Unless we put OT in, which I think would be it's a baptism of fire. So. His problem seems to be a very basic and fundamental one, though, in that he hits it over the bar yeah. a lot. Now... I have never played professional football, but I know how to not hit it over the bar, which is the angle at which your back is, your neck is, standing over the ball. That is, that's fixable, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, he missed an absolute sitter in um, at the start of the game on Tuesday night. Where was it? Swansea. <laughs> I forgot Swansea. Um, yeah, he missed, and, and he did exactly that. He, he spooned it over the bar. and uh, Yeah, I mean, you can, I suppose you can coach that out of, out of players, but... 
he's just not on a good run of form, is he? I, I don't know what it is, or it's confidence, or it's the loan, the loan role, but he just doesn't look that happy at the moment. No, and for an eight million pound striker, I mean, you know, as you said, David, it's the first thing you're told when you you, you play football as a kid. You know, don't lean back when you shoot mm. because it goes over the bar. But I was looking actually at his, at, you know, his record today. He scored, I think it's, he scored nine goals in 21 appearances for us. He only got six in 20 at Middlesbrough. And in, I looked at the, his record actually per game for us is better than anywhere he's played. Um, and that doesn't make him a good striker. And I think certainly, you know, you know throwing everything we've got at him up front is uh, not necessarily a ticket to scoring five goals a game. But um, I don't think we should drop him because, as you say, we can't. <laughs> Uh, am I? I feel like when I go through our strikers, the mental rolodex. Yeah. I'm always. I feel like I must be missing something, go but it, or someone. But it is just him and Ote, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you're trying to suggest we've still got uh, Jay Emmanuel Thomas who else, contract keep, or something. Oh God! Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I keep thinking I must be missing someone. Well, you can we play, must have another striker. I mean, the thing is, you can play Samuel up top, and you yeah. can play um, what's his name? You can play. The lad from Spurs, his name. I got my memory today. Jack Clark. Yeah, you can play him up top as well, apparently. Hello. <sighs> Both are gambles, to be fair. So you're kind of looking at. I, I was watching Ezzy on Saturday, and he was. People said, oh, he hangs on the ball too much. He's lazy, he's same lazy, lazy, all that nonsense again. But there's no one making the forward runs. Because if you saw against Swansea, their keeper messed up, and the defender had time to run round past Hugo and hit the ball back to the goalkeeper. So. He needs. He needs. He needs. Desperately needs support, either from the midfield or something. We need. We need to try something different. Trying the same thing, expecting the same results, time after time, is insane. We've got to do something different with the formation. But, but I was going to say, how, how different can you go if you only have one striker? Uh, you know, if if Hugh Gill's name is on that team sheet, there has to be a system that you play around him. Um, and I'd actually argue, in the games that I've seen recently, he probably hasn't been getting the service that he needs. And don't get me wrong, he's, he's hit some absolute howlers and I've seen them fly over the bar. And, and, and the other thing that disappoints me about him is he doesn't actually seem to have the physical presence that I think you'd hope for someone of his stature. Mm. Um, he never seems to, you know, and I don't want to compare him to someone like Matt Smith, but Matt Smith could at least hold on to the ball a bit and win the odd ball in the air and throw himself around a bit. And I just don't really see that with him. Well, I actually disagree because um, I think he'd be lucky not to be sent off twice in a few weeks with a trail and elbow. Uh, against um, Wednesday and and the other day again against others he caught someone food on the nose. Whether that's for leverage or not, I don't know. But I know what you're saying. But he could impose himself more, and I get that. But I think that's they all seem to be doing that though, Joe. Do you know what I mean? We all seem to be holding back. I mean, Grant Hall is not the player he was three or four seasons ago. Where he's he's now he's not diving in so much. He's not going in there to hurt. You know, we're, we're not nasty enough. We need to be nasty. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, going back to. Earlier, going back to the earlier point, um, the only other system that Warburton seems to, fa- uh, to favour is five three two. So he likes the four two three one, and then it's a five three two. And and actually, if we were going to play two up top, I mean, obviously, yes, we have got OT, but wouldn't wouldn't OT and and Hugo be a, like a immense risk? Because like, I don't know what kind of what partnership they would they they would they would uh, strike up. I mean, it might be a very good partnership, but it does seem like an immense risk. We need, but we need to give the, the striker an option. At the moment, he's not getting that, and we need to cause the other team's defence problems. We've had two games now where I would say the Huddersfield goalkeeper and the Swansea goalkeeper could have gone for a holiday. Which is something else I do that yeah. bugged me badly about both games. We did two foul throws in the championship. I know. That's I know. Just, just. <laughs> that's it. 
Um, Swansea, um, positive was that we kept a clean sheet and we looked a lot tighter. And Barbe, um, whilst he does have his flaws, seemed to tighten the ship up quite a lot. Having said that... Nearly gave away a penalty. Should have given away a penalty. Exactly. Right? It was a penalty. Swansea, yeah. Swansea were abysmal. They didn't have a shot on target all night and were... Well, it was, it was because like, of the majestic defending, Steve. Oh, well, of course. But it was almost like they had JFH in charge. But you kind of feel mm-hmm. that that's been coming for Swansea because that crowd was empty as well. I mean, you know, it was a strange game. There was 15,000 in there, but it was, yeah, it sounded like a... It sounded like Sunday school, to yeah. be honest. Did you lose it at Mark Pugh being named... Man Not of the all. match. I thought he played well. I mean, I don't. I think Pugh is going to win them players if, if he scored a hat trick because he does food on his Instagram. People think he wants to be a chef, and I don't know. I don't get it myself. I don't think he was that bad this season. He's sometimes been a bit anonymous, but then so is most of the team in some points. So, yeah. I mean, I stuck up for Pugh actually on on Twitter because uh, there there is a little bit of scapegoating going on and. He is a very steady Eddie. There's no doubt about it. He doesn't mm. do he doesn't do much of the sexy stuff, but actually he does put one hell of a shift in in most games, and I think there's a bit of credit for that. What do you mean he doesn't do the sexy stuff? He celebrated his man of the match by cooking and posting a Caribbean seared tuna served with a fig asparagus and Parma ham salad, avocado, and roasted potato thins. What's not sexy about that? Can he do, Come on. Can he do egg in a cup? <laughs> oh, yes. You've talked about your egg in a cup uh, before. If he does egg in a cup on his Instagram, I'll be impressed. Until then, I refuse to watch Surely it. his Instagram, this food, which most of which doesn't look that appealing to me, but that's really? because I like beige food. Surely okay. he's not being hammered for that, for God's sake, he is. is he? People, oh. are, but people hammer anything. Any, like, listen, we get hammered, David, and we just do the podcast and talk cack. Yeah. And people troll us and hammer us. So I yeah. guess they're just... I don't get the thing with Pierre. I get that Fiesis, he hasn't been the messiah that everyone thought he might be. I don't know. But then I think our season's been so in and out that no one's... Just a naughty boy. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. You're about to say that. Yeah. You look... Uh, yeah, I was, I was but, literally but, poisoned, yeah. But beat I, me to I, it. It seems as well players are all struggling for form. Do you know what I mean, Joe? It's just like I can't think of anyone who's all the way through the season has just maintained a level. Everyone's dipping. Well, I think they've maintained levels, but maybe not the levels we're after. <laughs> yeah. you know, Why is that, Some of them are consistent. Why just... is that? <sighs> I don't, seriously, I'm watching Manning. And I... Why is it? Do you want a rational reason why? Go on. Go the on. rational reason is because they're all new. Don't forget that. There's 15 new players. They're all new. Loads of them are inexperienced. Everyone pretty much is playing a system they've never played before. So... They're learning. That's the reason why they can't be consistent. They don't. They're not. It takes time to get used to this kind of thing. And if they were magically consistent all the time, they probably wouldn't be playing for us. Yeah. Fair. Well, we had a player who was magically consistent or fairly consistent at putting the ball in the back of the net, and he now plays for Bristol City. That's what happens, isn't it? With players that that do that too much. Um, right. We were going to have a word now with someone who should have been on the podcast many times, but I think mainly for geography, hasn't been on the podcast. Paul, I'll let you, I'll let you introduce him. Well, years ago when those of us who are old, like me, in this room, where I feel very old, remember fanzines when they exploded on the scene in the 80s and that, and they, you, could, you could see things that weren't in the programme, it was an alternative and independent view, and... They were actually funny, which is something the programme could never be. Um, although they tried. And it was a change from reading stuff by Tony Incenzo and stuff like that that was told in the party line. Uh, Kick Up The Hours came along, along with many others. There was In The Loft, there was 
Um, loads of ones that came along. Um, and Dave's still at it. And he's like an institution at QPR. And how he keeps it going, I don't know, because he, he's, he's, he's survived everything. He's, he's, you know, survived the fall of the Berlin Wall. He's survived God knows how many governments. I'd like to know how many QPR managers. There's one for him. Um, yeah. And he's, he's still going. And, and, and bless him, you know, it's still quality. And it's still a great read. So I thought we'd get Dave on to have a wee yarn with him to see what started it and um, where he is these days with it. Let's talk to him. Hi, Dave. Thanks for joining us. You, you remarkably have never been on the podcast. I think more to do with um, geography than you not being yeah, welcome. Yeah, because, yeah, because... yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Listen, I know how Sean Goss felt now. <laughs> nice how Sean Goss felt. Right, loads and loads, of course, thousands and thousands of Rangers fans are very familiar with the kick up the arse. But if for any reason there's anyone out there who is not and is not familiar with it, tell them now what they're missing. Well, they're missing a great deal, actually. We are the oldest fanzine still in existence. Um, uh, I think I think we are anyway now. There's one or two from, like, Notts County in York that may still be going. But as far as I'm aware, we are the... the I should say we're probably the granddaddy now of uh, football fanzines. We were one of the first to... Um, uh, of the generation of uh, fanzines that came into being in the 80s and we've kind of outstaged, you know, most of them really, if not all of them really. There's only a handful going now. And a kick up the arse is uh, an affectionate um, kind of an alternative look at, uh, at our beloved club. D- d- remind us when the first issue was? It came out in August 1987. Wow. And I used to stand on Loftus Road and say to people, excuse me, any passers-by, excuse me, would you like to buy a fanzine? And everyone used to say, oh, yeah, what is it? And you say, well, it's for the fans, written by the fans. And really, that's basically what it's been in the preceding 34 years. And that's a remarkable achievement. That's, and that's how many fanzines? Because that must be a lot of issues. <laughs> well, we're now working on issue... Well, I'm working on an issue... 359 and there's been one or two extra ones along the way plus a, a 600 book at one point and um, I think more of the, the most telling statistic in all of that is is that we've probably published somewhere in the region of 15 million words wow um, you're one of them or just about every single one of them in or a way. Paul Finney as we call it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I've actually um, been in it, to be fair, when they did a tour of Northern Ireland many years ago. Carry on. You have indeed. I remember first meeting Paul in a bar in Belfast. Um, so was a judge. I can't even remember the games we played, but it's pre-season, Paul, Paul- wasn't it? And you, you, were in, uh, you were in a bar, and uh, the original bar that we'd gone to, there was a note on the door saying, all visiting QPR fans were now at this bar, and it had changed. So that was Stephen Cross. I can't Cross. remember any names of we, p- we played We played Porter Down, and then we played the Mary Glen Torn. On the well, Saturday, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I remember that. I, I remember it well, and uh, we we were, you know, we had a good time meeting all the Northern Irish Rs over there, and uh, quite a few, um, quite a few Rangers have gone over as well. Um, you may rem- do you remember Brendan Walsh? Brendan was over there with mm. um, uh, with Lynn, and uh, they were good friends. And uh, yeah, it was it was a, a, a nice pre-season tour. It'd be uh, it'd be nice to. Um, 
uh, if I were able to get to another one. I remember going to Germany in the in the 1970s, but uh, I think that was about. I think Portsdown was probably my very last one. So, <laughs> but do you know what? Yeah. Do you know what, Dave, about kick up the arse that people don't really appreciate is 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 the dedication you have to it, and and how many hours and you must burn that midnight oil, and you literally a lot of the times you're picking up on the way down to the games, isn't that right? Well, yeah, it's a very tight turnaround. I mean, you know, when Naki uh, Naki left on the uh, let's get this right, did he leave on the Thursday? I yeah. believe of, uh, yeah. of the I can't even. I've lost track now of times. I'm getting old. I can't remember these. You don't look at Dave. Basically, on the Saturday, um, we were completely up to date with the uh, with the front cover and obviously some editorial comment about Naki leaving um, because we worked a very you know very tight turnaround schedules and things like that plus we also spend a lot of time burning the midnight oil to to, to make sure it's ready inside it's really i mean we were told when we first started that um from little monsters uh, from little babies big monsters grow and the problem is now that it's got it's gone so far now that um that it is a big monster now and it's one that demands attention all the time and it's a bit like painting the fourth bridge. We mm-hmm. we um, we finish one, and then we immediately have to start on the uh, on the next one. And sometimes, obviously, depending on the fixtures, we uh, we have such a quick turnaround. Uh, but I'm very fortunate that we have a, a you know a, a very select. Well, I say select. I mean, <laughs> well, they are a select. To me, they're select anyway. But they're not. They're not chosen. They've sort of stepped forward to volunteer, and we've just grabbed them and said, "Right, you're in." But we have a, a team of um, really, really good writers um, across the board, and they come up. The, 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 the standard of their writing um, on all things QPR is amazingly high, and um, and all the contributions we get are are, are fabulous. And, and um, yeah, I think we've we've survived this long by being good, and that's no reflection on anything I do, but it's merely and it absolutely reflects what those who contribute to it um, are capable of and, and it's fantastic yeah. hi, hi Dave, it's uh, Steve Sace here um, first of all I just wanted to say thank you for you know amazing achievement, I remember I, remember I used to get the bus down to Loftus Road from, from Oxford and uh, kick out the Ars was an essential read and of course the, the internet wasn't established <laughs> at this time and uh, it, it was really the only way that you could get in-depth analysis of what was going on so it was fantastic um, I just wanted to ask you about the story and I want to know if I remember it right. Did you get kicked out at Hillsborough the day we got promoted? Uh, well, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't even get in, actually. I was refused entry, yeah, because I turned up at, um, obviously, you know, it was the, the, the 8,000 Rangers up there. Um, we, I, I, as usual, uh, you know, um, smelt um, take-ins, and I decided, right, that's, I'll take a big bag of fanzines along with me, and... Uh, and make hay while the sun shines and all that, and um, and it was fine. But of course, the, by the time I went to go in, the steward on the gate um, wouldn't let me go in uh, with the bag, and that's not normally a problem. But I just think everything was a bit heightened at the time. Sheffield Wednesday fans were were kind of kicking off a little bit as well about their own club, and of course, with eight thousand Rangers fans. Um, the stewards probably, you know, most most years they have an easy ride when we turn up. But um, I think they're on the heightened uh, 
a lurch, you know. And uh, I think he just decided to take out a lot of his frustrations on me, the last one to go through the turnstiles, and the game had already started. So he said to me, uh, you're not coming in with that bag. So I said, well, what do you want me to do with it? He said, I don't know, dump it. And it's like, thanks a lot, mate. This is, you know, it's like somebody criticising your work, isn't it, really? Um, so I, um, I wasn't very happy. Anyway, I, um, I might have called him a few names, but uh, it really <laughs> wasn't. It might have been, Tosser might have been about the, uh, the, the, the height of it, because I'm not that stupid. Um, anyway, what I, what I had to do was, um, I was looking around, obviously thinking, where can I, you know, where can I leave my bag and what can I do with it? And uh, this is, you know, this is all the fanzines inside, all the unsold ones. And I, I didn't want to just, you know, why, would, why should I dump it? But there was nowhere around to leave it. So anyway, cut a long story short, I ended up walking down Leppin's Lane and there was a guy repairing his, or doing some gardening or repairing his fence or whatever it was he was doing. And I said to him, excuse me, mate, is it all right if I leave my bag here because them tossers there won't let me in with it and blah, blah, blah. And the guy said, yeah, that's absolutely fine, mate. And he took it. So he's very nice about it. When I went back, the steward who was on the gate was looking at me and he, he kind of had that sort of bouncer smile on his face. And he said, can I see your ticket? So, of course, like a mug, I walked straight into it. I showed him my, my ticket. He snatched it. And he said to me, right, you ain't coming in now. And he said, I can't. I, I, I heard the word off, and I'm not quite sure what the first word is, although I can probably guess, probably. And uh, and basically, that was when my world kind of collapsed at that minute because I realised there was nothing I could do about it because there's no arguing. It's like, try, not that I know anything about getting into clubs or anything, but, I, you know, like if the bouncer say you're not coming in, do you know what? You're not coming in. So I stormed round to the um, to the main ticket office and I sort of thumped on the desk and said I demanded to see the club secretary. And uh, and basically, it was all a bit fruitless, really. I kicked off big time, let's put it that way. Um, but I, I still never got in, no. So I sit outside and wait for everybody to come out. I was quite numb, quite shocked. Um, Nothing whole, really happened. Yeah, the whole was, story made the front page boring. of the Sheffield Star. I think it even yeah, it did. It was Oak Sentinel and... Uh, and basically, no. yeah, it, it was it was a big story, put it that way. And you'd forgotten about the pain of that day for 16 well, years until Steve now, brought it up again. I, yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry to do that That's to okay, you. Mate. Don't worry. I'm just... <laughs> But before you before you go, David, and and thank you as a, as a as a as a regular reader and. and right, I've only just started. What's the matter with you? Jesus, I know that's what worries me. Um, <laughs> I've got a I've got a pub to go to. Um, is that you've been an institution at QPR, but please please continue and never give up. But tell everyone how they can get hold of Kick Up the Hours because some many some people might not be aware of how to get it. No, well, listen, we are always a presence at a match day. Um, and you can, if you can't see us, if you can't find us on a match day, just ask someone in their point in direction because we're quite visible. Um, obviously, not everybody can get to Loftus Road or, or the KPF um, Stadium, as, it's, uh, as we should call it now. And, um, but usually at away games as well, I'm usually sort of hanging around, certainly after the game, but usually at half time, wandering around, trying to avoid. Uh, the the, um, the eagle eye of any stewards, um, but also more importantly, uh, you can actually go online and uh, we have our own website, which is akutrs. So kick up the eyes, akutrs dot com, and all the information about how you can get it or how you can order it. It's all on there. 
Good man. But good man. Can I uh, one final question from me? You said fifteen well, million words. Did you say? Fifteen million yeah, words. Yeah, fifteen million words. I've probably, I've probably that's probably slightly more than I've just given you on this uh, on this story about so, how I've been getting into Hillsborough. <laughs> fifteen million words, three hundred and fifty odd issues. How many times have you said, "Kick up the R's and someone has said, "That's what they need. Um, just over fifteen million, actually, at the last count. But um, um, yeah, and, I thought and so. If the chap who um, told me in no uncertain terms that it was toilet paper um, when he came out after the whole game, I think it was, or whatever it was, I, I, I can't remember now. Um, I know he's mad, but, mate, it, it really isn't. There's a lot of love goes into a lot of care, a lot of hard work, and, honestly, it's it's written for people like you, a QPR fans. Um, it's not for our own aggrandizement. We don't get anything from it. Um, in fact, it's a struggle to continue in this day and age. But it really, really isn't toilet paper. I promise you that. No way, is it? It is not. Keep at it, Dave. Thanks for joining us for a few You're minutes. You're very welcome, guys. Take you care. enjoy the rest of your evening. I'm off to ballet now, and, and that is the God's honest truth, except I'll be sat outside while she's in doing the ballet. <laughs> keep Thanks da- for clarifying. Keep dancing. <laughs> keep dancing, yeah. yeah Cheers, Dave. I, I don't understand it myself, but there you go. Guys, see you all on Saturday. Thank you. See you, big man. Cheers. Thanks for coming on, David. Thank you. Bye, bye, mate. Bye. What a legend, like. Yeah, absolute absolute legend. 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 I hope everyone keeps buying it. Keep, keep buying it. And he's even selling copies of a kick up the arse at the ballet. That's weird. There you go, then. Um, Hopefully it's not a swan song. Very good. Uh, Right. What else have I got on my list? uh, Ah, Yes. Now, there was a video today, apparently. I did not see this video. I was busy having my own awful day, which we won't talk about, but just to clar- just to set the scene. All I saw was there was a tweet saying, who's Ferdinand? Who am I missing? Warburton. Warburton. <laughs> uh, explain, talk about the talking points from um, the last month. Well, Someone tell me what was on this video. Um, well, it was 20 minutes of Paul Morrissey interviewing um, the Three Stooges. Um, And it was an explanation of what's happened with the transfer window, why Naki Wells, we didn't sign him, we weren't even close. Um, And it was all about, you know, the future and about FFP. And on one hand, it was, I think it's a real piece of transparency uh, they didn't need to do that. They've obviously given their time to do that and ex- explain things to fans. On the other hand, there wasn't really anything new in it. It was just like a repeat of, of kind of what we already knew. And I think one of the most striking things uh, about the video was the body language. You had you had Warburton on one side, you had Les on the other, and you had Who's in the middle. And it was like um, it's like Warburton and Ferdinand had been in a fight in the playground, and uh, Who's had like sort of broken them up and had brought hauled them in to see the headmaster. It, it was like Warburton really didn't look like he wanted to be there, and there was a real kind of tangible. No one's very happy here. No one wants to be there. So it was, it was very odd. It was heavy going. I want I know why they did it. I just don't think they're gonna sell many season tickets on the back of it. It's one of them sort of things. It's kind of like you 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 know, you come here, um and QPR is expensive to watch. I don't care what anyone says, it's not cheap to watch QPR. Um and 
but keep coming and eventually we might get it right. But what I couldn't understand is that they're talking about players that have paid off, they have made transfer value, money on transfers, etc., etc. It's almost like they walked into the door yesterday. They've been here for four or five years. Do you know, that that's a bit I couldn't quite comprehend. It was like, we start from scratch and we start from this January and we've got to get things right. FFP is three years, we all know this. And Warburton was explaining it all to us. And I get it. I, I do understand it and I get it. And Lee Hughes almost said, I don't want to have to say this again because I'm fed up explaining what FFP is. And we, we do get it. But it's just very hard to sell the club on the basis of our strategy seems to be we get as many points as we can on the build-up to January, then we might have to sell some assets and not bring players in, limp through the season to the end of the season, and then we start again. this year, you would hope it's not well, that for every year. Well, thing happened last season. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it, with, with, with McLaren. He started off when we had that purple patch. We, If we hadn't had these purple patches, we hadn't had Naki Wells, we would be absolutely creaking it into League One. And it kind of, to me, it was a wee bit of white flag waving to the to the to pick the masses and I just hope that um we can sort it out because we've had fifteen players in which I don't think is a club that's on its knees financially that's able to bring in fifteen players. That's a lot of ages to talk to and a lot of things to be paid for and um it was just interesting but it was very, very, very depressing. Uh, it's interesting, Paul, that you said that the thing that I really picked up on was exactly what you just said when when Lee Hughes mentioned that oh I I don't want to have to explain this again. Well then why are they? I'm not quite sure whose idea it was to put out that video. None of them looked like, as Steve said, they wanted to really be there. And the reaction I've seen from the fans has been universally, you know, wound up or fed up. Because actually, we haven't been told anything new. We know what the the deal is with FFP. We know that we're a club that can't buy players unless we sell them first. And then there was this euphemism that that Les used about, oh, we had inquiries during the transfer window. Not offers, but inquiries. You know, I don't know, that's supposed to make us feel better. Like There might be some more cash coming in one day. And I assume he's talking about bright or Eze. um you know there's no me- this general update no mention of training ground no mention of new stadium all these things that have been kind of dangled in front of us over the years um i just don't really see the point and maybe someone in the pr world might be able to explain what- you're looking at me he is a bit when i say that well if there's no new news i don't i wouldn't i don't understand why you would repeat just old news you've got to have something new to say was there anything in there that you didn't know before i think the what confuses me, and it still confuses me, and I'm, Seems I'm, not, I, I know no. I'm not the, the, the brightest in the world, and I'll say that as my own character. Um, if they were able to put a deal together for Naki Wells and that didn't go through, then did they have a plan B on another player? They could bring another striker mm, in. Let me see. On We've got one striker. So, no, I would say they didn't no, have no, a plan exactly. B. So, I think they, they, everyone knew he was going. We knew for a week Naki Wells was going because once Bristol City... But Burnley declared interest in the Bristol City player. You knew that, and rightly so, Burnley have got to look after their own interests. I get that completely. They're going to dangle that player in front of them and they're going to do it. So why didn't we have someone else then to bring in? I don't they that- thought we've got 38 points at that point. And they thought we'll probably be able to limp over the line, save half a million quid, million quid, whatever it is, depending on what reports you believe, get to the end of the season... They're also waiting for as many championship clubs as possible to be hit by FFP. And then in this weird land of the blind, we'll have one eye and we'll be and we'll be at an advantage versus everyone else. But the weird thing is, Steve, I don't know if you saw at the end. Well and I, I quite like the job that Lee Hughes is doing. I quite I understand that and as CEOs go, he's been a lot better. The bar's low, but he's been better than most. Um but when he said the club's in a good place, that kind of threw me a little bit because I 
I'm still kind of cacking myself if we could get relegated. And I don't really... For a good place, you're going to be looking at selling season tickets. And or well, presumably he means financial sustainability. If that means just filling your team with lawn players all the time, I was just going to say. I mean, I think we're 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 much further down, further further down the FFP cycle than a lot of clubs currently are. A lot of clubs are about to get battered over the head, and and and, and we're not. Um, but yeah, it was just such a, such a negative message. I mean, I know, I mean, I do know why they did it. I think the the club is very very aware that there's a, quite a lot of fans out there who are very pissed off right now. Morale seems to be at a at a very big low, and there's also like a lot of um, fans who you know who, who who know a lot about the club out there who are saying things like, "We think FFP is an excuse." You know, why? How long are we going to be under FFP for? Well. The truth is, is that FFP is a brute fact, and we are going to be under FFP forever, or at least as long as it's in place. What, what, an excuse for what? For, for well, for, as they see it, not investing, and and what they and the and the, the the narrative is is that the board have withdrawn financial support for the club, which isn't the case. It's just they're not allowed to put any more money in. Mm. But they still build a bloody training ground. They can still, you know, do that at the very least. Yeah. And until there's a spade goes into that ground, people are going to be pessimistic about it actually being completed or even started even. Yeah. And I think what I got from that interview, sadly, and I'm, I'm a depressive soul anyway, but it was almost like this is why we might fail. This is why we might get relegated. It's not our fault. It's FFP. We're doing our best, but we're in a good place because other clubs are going to go through it as well. But if, you, if, if our plan every season is to finish above three really poor clubs, that, cause that's, that's a terrible trap door to stand it above. It does feel a bit like Groundhog Day doesn't it? A wee bit. I'd love for the uh, club to be positive about things. The community side is certainly positive. I don't know. I, I just I just don't know. I don't quite know what about after 32 games being on 39 points and minus nine goal difference for the third season in a row is connected to Groundhog Day. Whew, okay, Did you know that? The last no. three years? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter earlier. The last, this season and the last two seasons before that, after 32 games, we have been on 39 points and minus nine goals. That is incredible. Although I would say that, uh, aside from perhaps the last few weeks, I've enjoyed this one a hell of a lot more than the two prior. Football's been a lot better. Yeah, and we see lots of goals either way. Uh, Ours end. Okay. Ours end. Who wants to go first? Uh, Joe furiously looking through his notes. So you should go. Okay, my one was going to be... I, I sit in, in South Africa Road and in view of what's going on in the director's box and obviously you never really know what's going on in there. But uh, at the Bristol City game, there was a dubious refereeing decision and I witnessed Lee Hoos jumping out of his seat, running about tw- 20 rows back, pointing and screaming, you cannot be serious, at who I can only assume was the guy assessing the referee. And so I just wanted to point out, if anyone ever sits near there, just keep an eye out for Lee Hoos because it's very entertaining. It's very, uh, very John McEnroe. And he's very passionate by the sounds of it yeah I think so you know he, he cares but it's just it's just very entertaining so look out for it his referee reports are apparently a thing to behold oh really mm. do that what they report he reports on the referee we can, we, can, we can write them a letter about things that we complain about Freddie Kicks sending off yeah, yeah. and they send they'll send the video clip as well with it and um, uh, yeah. yeah I think we're quite we're quite good at that sort of thing um, okay well Super Hoops at Super Hoops with a Z on the end has tweeted me which I, I thought this was interesting. So he starts by saying, this was a DM. Uh, thought this might be interesting for the pod. Okay. Uh, it's from my pal at Opta, who I asked to look at our Times G score. Do we know what Times G is? No it's idea. expected goals. 
which I never really understand what it is. But I'm looking at you, Joe. You're nodding, so you can tell me. I think expected goals is what, based on the chances you create, how many goals you should score? Yeah, something like that. Uh, I hope this isn't Jack at Opta who's on next week because if it is, we've completely ruined his um, what he was going to say. So apparently, expected goals for QPR is forty-seven point nine, and we have scored forty-seven. So we are on par. We are scoring the amount of goals that our chances would dictate. So roughly on par. Goals conceded is a slightly different story, though. QPR have shipped 56, but expected goals against, based on the chances that have been created against us, is 50.5. That means we have... That's 10% more. We're letting in 10% more goals, giving away 10% more goals for free uh, that is on a par with the chances created. Um... This could be bad luck, a bad goalkeeper, or a slight anomaly that will even or itself a strategy out. of playing out from the back. It's killed yeah. two goalkeepers and penalties yeah. as well. Yeah, Unnecessary true. penalties. True. Uh, an interesting one is Leeds. He writes they've scored forty-seven, but their expected goals is sixty-three. Well, okay. <laughs> well, I thought you get from Patrick Bamford at front, Boom. isn't it? Um, They're filling the pod again, don't you know? So. I think that's quite interesting. All this, I mean, Warburton goes on at length about creating chances doesn't he mm. and according to the statisticians we're creating the right amount of chances for the right <laughs> amount of goals but we do let in too many he tell goes, us something new he goes on more about possession doesn't he like he does some kind of poltergeist he doesn't like them shooting from outside the box apparently either um, this might be unfair but if he goes on about chances all the time maybe that exonerates him from responsibility a bit because if the striker's got the ball at his feet and has a chance he can't do anything about it if he misses so it's a little bit yeah, you know, pa- not passing the buck. He's kind of saying, "I'm setting them up to create chances," and then, yeah, well, that's not a bad mm. point. He looked a bemoaned character today. If I'm being honest, you don't think that, Steve? He, he did. He did. He didn't look the happiest fella in town. None of them look very happy, to be honest. So all and none of us are happy. happy. Are we? You've had a bad day, mate. Bore- yeah, I have. I have. Yeah, yeah. Steve, um, what's your odds end? Um, two quick ones. I'm going to sound like Finney now. Um, the, fir- the first one is Finney never Owen- does two. Oh, and God, it's I'm going to sound like Tony Fernandez. Yeah, stadium update. No, it's not a stadium update. It's just there was a little bit of news. There was a little bit of news from the council which was revealed and made public. Um, we had the consult- consultation exercise uh, last year, which went really well. Uh, and majority of people voted for um, a stadium option at Linford Christie Stadium. Um, they have now appointed a consultancy called In Partnership with IPW. And the reason why that's important is actually IPW, if you go and look at their website, have got a very big track record of developing stadiums um, and, and sports facilities. So it's actually really encouraging that the council are talking to the right people. Don't want to mislead anyone. Nothing's happening very, very quickly. All that's going to happen is there's going to be a, fe- a feasibility study where the council will work with IPW and um, work out if it would be possible to build a stadium there. But it's a nice piece of news, you know. And at least it's not, you know, it's not negative. Go on. No, no. I was about to say, and your second. My second one. Sorry. <laughs> Push me along. Um, is Grant Hall um, did an interview with I think it was the Evening Standard, and um, he talked about his depression and the struggles that he's had recently. And I just wanted to say, fair play, Hawley, well done. Uh, takes a lot of balls to come out and, and talk about um, things so close to you. And the other thing I was going to say is, there's a lot of shit on Twitter at the moment. You know, these are real people, and you know, be careful, be careful with your words because they're real people at the end of the day. So. Have don't think anyone would disagree with that. Uh, Not in this room, anyway. Finney brings me on to mine, and I've got to use my R's end for clarity. 
Really? Aye. Um, I'm surprised I could say that as well. Especially into a megaphone. Um, I can't spell it, that's for bloody sure. Ding on the dyslexic thing. Yeah, go on, go um, on. Anyway, on. the... Um, Thank you for your Oz end. It's Fingo again. <laughs> Fingo. Fingo. Fingo, I like that. Right, go on. Away Get on with your words. 467 points it's, it's, for your Oz end. very quick. Yeah. Um, there was an interview with Les last week about racism in football, and I responded on Twitter by saying everyone in the club is accountable, as they are, to the, the job and explain themselves, but there is no excuse for racism, and there should never be excuse. And some people might have got the wrong end of that, because then I said... I don't think we're a racist club, and I stand by that because it would kill me to think that our club, the people I stand beside week in, week out, have those horrible vile views. I'm not saying there's no racism at QPR. Of course there is. There's racism in every part of society, but I would like to think that most people are not like that and are giving Les either praise or non-praise based on his performance and nothing else because that's all anyone should be judged on. So I want to clear that up for anyone who might have got confused because I do spell things badly, I do say things wrongly. But that is my. But at the it. same time, mm-hmm. this was very similar to an interview that Stormzy gave recently. Mm-hmm. If Les is saying he has experienced racism, then you have to accept that that's his reality. But, and well, if he says he's accepted it from QPR fans, that's disgusting. And that that you have to accept that as reality, and that is different to you saying that the fan base in general are a very well-behaved and respectful. I just one. hope to God that yeah. we're not a racist football club, and that's all I cling to. Because if you were. It would destroy me, and I, I would hit that. My second point, which is a bit more, a little bit more upbeat, is everyone that went to Swansea, Jesus Christ, you should get a free season ticket next season because fair play to you. Because after Huddersfield, I would have probably gone. I won't lie, but I couldn't just, I couldn't get myself to go, and I hit that. And I worry about the younger generation. I know what Lee Hughes is saying and Les and Warburton about building, building, building. Kids want results. Kids want things to be done. They, they need to have a, a, something to believe in to go to school and not sit there on their phones watching games, which some of them do. So we need to be competitive and good, even if sometimes we get beat. Limp losing is not good. And one other thing, David, oh, for God's sake. this yeah. is the end of it. Yeah, Ezzy is not better than Adele, and he's not better than Fallen. And you're 4 2 your opinion, but really? Uh, this is the 4 4 2 yes. team. So, what are you saying that I did? So, I had to do I, uh, one of the things was did like a questionnaire for 4 4 2 where I did my favourite 11 from the players that I've seen. And you're saying that Eze is not better than Adele. No. But no, Adele no. was in that team. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I say you up. I knew, I, knew you were, I knew you hadn't related to that. No, Adele was in the team that I picked. <laughs> Fall in wasn't, but I think that's like just an opinion thing. Like I didn't quite know where. I think my midfield was Wegley. Did I say Dale? I meant to say Fall in. Bloody verbal dyslexia is this shocking. You think Fall in? Well, they're verbal different Fall in versus Eze. I would put Fall in ahead of Eze. I mean, uh, that's fine. I respect your choice, as it were, but I also think you could argue the other way. Excellent. So one day, what we should do for future podcasts is have a special. On to get four or five long-term QPR fans on yeah. and see how many people... Or we could do it on Twitter. Actually come up with the same 11 because I reckon everyone's everybody would have a different 11 because it's all to do with that's what's what happened I, through that's your That's where I was going with that. Right, it, please tell me that is your R's end done. Um, yes, give us a very quick prediction for the Stoke game. Yeah, that's. I, I can't think of anything. I, I hope we romantically win 3-0. Joe? Uh, I'm going... I don't think we won't concede, so I'm going to go 3-1. I'm going a 2-0 win, Steve. Uh, Do the double over them, yeah, 2-0. Thank you very much. It's been open all ours. I think we're planning to be back on Tuesday, so not long to go. Um, Here's to a win.
against Stoke. Yours. Come on. UPR. UPR. Rangers.